This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So we walk into the hotel, take the elevator up to the fourth floor. We make a left, and her room was on the very end of the hall. We knock on the door, we tell her, we know she's in there, and we're not leaving without her. Nothing. Silence. So I leave my brother there while I go get the manager who will hopefully open the door for us. I explain my mom is suicidal and we have to get in there. She tells me that she can knock on the door, but she can't open the door. But she does come up with me, knocks on the door, announces she's a manager, and waits two seconds and leaves. We keep knocking, begging her to come out. Then we have to threaten to call the police if she doesn't come out. All of a sudden, I can hear my mom get out of bed. I can hear her footsteps coming closer to the door. Then I hear the lock unlatch and the door chain at the top jingling. I look at my brother relieved, thinking that she's opening the door. But she wasn't opening the door. She was locking it. Welcome to Habits You Love, a thought-provoking podcast about self-love, self-healing, and spiritual evolution. I'm Kayla Fazio, the host, and I take you on the journey of my own trauma healing and share real, raw, and authentic life situations. My mission is to expand your mind to what you think is possible for you and provoke thoughts of looking at your own healing you may need and help you discover the power you have within you to start a self-healing journey, build healthy habits, and create a life you love. If you haven't already, click the follow button and leave a review. Also, check out my website, habitsyoulove.com, where you can find even more resources, healing practices, and support. Now, let's get to the episode. So even if we did eventually get a key from the hotel clerk, we were not going to be able to get in. I start calling my dad and my oldest brother and tell them what's going on. And I ask them, should I just call the police? Because how else are we going to get her out? And my dad says, it's okay. Just call the police because I just wanted permission. So I walk back to the room in front of the door. I sit on the ground and I start to call 911. But before I could even call 911, I hear a loud pop. 
I immediately thought that my mom had thrown a heavy object at the door to get us to leave. I just, I, I, for some reason, pictured her throwing an axe at the door because that's how loud it was. And I'm pretty sure it shook the door. I remember saying out loud, geez, mm-hmm. really thinking that's what happened until I remembered my friend telling me about my mom buying a gun. I don't remember my brother's reaction. I just started screaming, oh my God, and ran down the hall. It felt like the longest hallway after that. When we got in the elevator, my brother collapsed in the elevator and just kept saying, no, 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 no. I'm shouting to call 911 while I'm calling my dad. And when he answers, I tell him, I just heard a gunshot. We just heard a gunshot. And I just hear him say, what? We get out of the elevator and we immediately run out of the hotel. As we're running past the desk, I'm yelling to the clerk. We heard a gunshot call 911. My brother is at a loss for words. When he gets 911 on the phone, he just hands me the phone because he can't even speak. I'm yelling. I'm out of breath. I'm telling the dispatcher, our mom just shot herself. We're at the American Inn and Suites. The dispatcher is telling me to calm down and keeps asking us where I'm at. I'm shouting on the phone, American Inn and Suites, Southwest 15th and Meridian. I just keep shouting that. She asks if there's someone else that can speak to her that is more calm. I hand the phone to my brother. At this point, I start calling all my family. I call Tyler, then I call you and Granny. I'm pretty sure you're asleep, but eventually your husband picked up the phone. I remember you were half asleep when I told you, and I don't think you comprehended it, but I told you where I was and hung up. Tyler had the same reaction as Coven. He just immediately said no, and calling Granny was the hardest. When she picked up, I just said, Granny, I heard a gunshot, and she just started wailing, and I took a little bit of time on the phone with her, and I told her I loved her, and I had to hang up. We waited for what seemed like an eternity for the cops and our family to show up. I'm pacing back and forth outside saying, if Chris survived, she can survive. Because back when my mom and her brother were younger, my uncle actually shot himself in the chest and lived. So I just clung on to that fact. So I'm just saying it out loud. If he survived, she could survive. And eventually my brother Coven grabbed me and pulled me in. And I'll never forget that hug. But I could not stop talking. And there was a man outside of the hotel and saw all this going on. And he asked if we were okay and what happened. And I know he was genuinely concerned. But I was so mad that he was talking to us in this moment. And my brother, you know, told him to back off. Police, ambulance, and fire trucks eventually showed up. And around that time, the hotel was actually escorting people out of the hotel to the one across the street. An officer is trying to get us to come inside because it was probably 100 degrees out, but I refused to go back inside that hotel. I asked him if he could get me some Tylenol because I had the worst stomach pain I've ever felt. It basically felt like I'd been shot in the stomach. 
I saw the ambulance roll an empty gurney out of the hotel, and I stupidly thought that that was a good sign. I imagined my mom sitting on her bed, crying regretfully. Another officer came out with a look on his face. I asked him, please don't tell me until my family gets here. Soon after, my dad shows up. He's barefoot, and then you and Tyler arrive around the same time together, and we all huddled together as the cop comes up asking, okay, is everyone here? And we're all hugging when the cop looks at us and says, she didn't make it. Our whole family practically collapsed together. I remember the arms around me got so heavy I could barely stand. All I could think is never seeing my mom again. I'll never see my mom again. How do you comprehend that? And at this point, I'm in so much shock that I have yet to even shed a tear. I did not cry until I saw friends start showing up in the parking lot. The first was the family that, you know, told me about my mom buying a gun. And then more of my family friends started showing up and my uncle came. I had to give my statement to the police. And I remember going into the passenger seat of his car and it was actually so nice inside. I felt calm while I sat inside and explained what just happened. The police were really concerned about my dad's mental state. So they had to keep him overnight. And then we all went to your house and and stayed the night for a couple of days. I slept in bed with you and <laughs> your husband. <laughs> and the second I'd start to fall asleep, I'd hear the gunshot and it would scare me. And I know you and I both didn't sleep that night. Mm-hmm. A few hours later, we get a call that we can pick up dad from the station. And I remember going into Coven's room to see if he wanted to go and I remember when I walked into the door I scared him so bad and he jumped and I just know that he was struggling too. Something I didn't mention and it's not really my story to tell Mm -hmm. but I don't know if it's ever going to be told ever again but I guess when I went down to go get the manager of the hotel Coven could hear metal clicking and that was the bullets being loaded into the gun so yeah so that was i didn't know that you had called dad and said i should call the police that might have like freaked her out you know exactly she heard you guys talking about it and she was essentially like i have to do this right now or it may never happen you know so i didn't realize that i thought it was like you heard the jingle and the lock on the door and then i thought it was like 20 seconds later that that happened but so that i didn't realize and then referring back to when you called me or you were trying to call me yeah i was half asleep but i i do remember you saying we heard a gunshot and i that's all i remember you was saying except actually i was like had to ask you where you were obviously so i remember we heard a gunshot and then at the american inn and suites and then i just remember like throwing the phone down throwing on clothes i remember exactly what i was wearing a pink tank top with no bra <laughs> like probably could totally see through it black jogger pants and random white flip-flops or something and i just bolted out the door and like yeah like i said in my original podcast was getting in the car it's pretty late at night on a sunday so there was no traffic heading to the hotel we were speeding down every road we got on the highway we were speeding down the highway and then we exited the exit for that hotel and i don't know if you remember me saying like we pulled up right next to my brother and his now wife and we were like the only two cars on the road it was really freaking creepy 
and we both rolled down the window and we're both not driving like she's driving Tyler and he's driving me because I obviously am in complete shock and my body whole body was convulsing and shaking without crying was super strange feeling but then we both looked at each other and we like just started bawling like we didn't know what was happening so another thing you said was I thought you told me like when we got to the hotel I remember you walked out of the hotel with a cup of water in your hand and you just shook your head and so that to me was my confirmation of figuring out but I don't remember the cop telling us yeah I never went back in the hotel but I was at the door so you probably it probably looked like I was coming out but I like stood at the sliding glass doors um because he had gotten me some water with that Tylenol I asked for Mm -hmm. but uh, so you still didn't know at that point no okay Okay, so I don't know. Maybe you were just shaking your head. I mean, I knew, but I didn't. But yeah. I mean, I knew that. Maybe you were shaking your head like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't remember. I, that to me felt like the confirmation, but maybe I have it wrong, you know? And then it was a blur, but not because I can remember very <laughs> specific details, yeah. but also not at the same time. I remember time. there was like a bench and we were standing yeah. right in front of the bench. Yeah, and dad was sitting on the bench with his head tilted back. Just again, we, I mean, we, we started crying a little bit later. Like no one was crying when we yeah. first got there because we were in shock plus didn't know the details and then so yeah it's good to hear your your side of the story I mean the fact that you had to witness it I can't even imagine and like you said I don't know if our brother will ever speak about it um it's important to speak up about these kinds of things and not hold them in yeah and it's it's definitely healing to talk about it. I'm very open about this and I don't do it for attention or for pity. I do it just to help people to let them know like this does go on. You know, like the podcast says, mental illness does not discriminate. And telling that and being so open, I will say people have definitely used my story against me. I've had two boyfriends now tell Mm -hmm. me, you're the reason your mom killed herself. And then this one lady, I met her at the gym. I didn't want to go to the pool with her. She got mad at me and she left me voicemails on my phone. I remember I was at Coven and Courtney's and she said, no wonder your mom killed yourself. You're such a little bitch. Oh my God. Yeah, she was crazy. I mean, I've only had one person use it against me or throw it in my face and that was obviously my crazy narcissistic toxic sociopathic ex-boyfriend so he definitely was like if we'd get in a fight he'd be like or he would say you're gonna end up just like your mom you're gonna be in a mental hospital oh yeah he also told someone recently that I use my story to like get clients like I use my I use my pity story to get clients and blah 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 so anyway I'm like okay but I think like what I want to say about this is obviously we're sharing and it's I think it's really important to not stay in the like victimhood mindset and constantly be like this happened to me this happened to me this happened to me I think it's important to overcome it and then share it from a place of hey I overcame this I talk about it a lot, but I only talk about it on the other side of going through it. You know what I mean? I didn't talk about it for like two years and when I and I knew I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't know how because I wasn't fully over it or I wasn't fully healed from it. But now I talk about it way more because of the work that I've put in. So now I feel like I come from a place of I it happened, yes, but like here's what has happened since and how I've become a different person for it. Okay, so obviously that's a very traumatic event in your life. I'd say the 
most traumatic, obviously. So kind of just go into detail about what happened next for you. Like what, what happened next in the life of April after experiencing trauma, losing your mom that you were really close to after our family just kind of like shattered. So what happened next? Oh yeah, I was in therapy immediately. Before we even had the funeral, I was in therapy my friend and her mom told me about a pastor that specializes in grief therapy. They drove me 45 minutes every week to the sessions. I actually had to drive by the academy that my mom went to buy her gun at because it was right off the highway, so that really sucked. I somehow got the strength to get back in the gym with you, and that's when we ran into Pastor Craig Groeschel, who we would run into at the gym, and we would say hi, and, you know, he knew us as sisters, and this time was a little different. We had told him what happened, and he paused his treadmill and just gave us a hug, and I'm fighting back (laughs) tears, asking if he knows a grief counselor, and he gives me a name, and within a week or two, I'm going to this therapist along with the pastoral counselor. So I was given the tools to work through everything that was inevitable and grief. I remember we all went, us, didn't us all siblings go to one time together? Yeah. All four of us went, right? right? Yes. Yeah, you, I guess you were the only one that was like, I'm like getting right in because I didn't go right in. Um, I didn't. I went to that one and then I was like, Psh. I was so disappointed. Like I felt like that group therapy did nothing. Oh well, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like I, I just don't think any, anyone was coming from a place of I want to be here. It was more of maybe we were doing Y'all it for you. Needed to be there. <laughs> Y'all did. You just had to learn a little later, but. Yeah, totally. I mean, when the student is ready, the master will show. So apparently we were the only ones that have been ready thus far. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, so so you were in therapy for months. Yeah, I spent months in therapy discussing my mom and my own struggles. I had quite a few different therapists over the years, but every therapist I found, it would focus on how I was afraid to end up like my mom. My mom clearly struggled silently most of her life, and I had no idea she was ever depressed growing up, and I know mental illness is genetic, so my biggest fear was that I was going to be consumed by my depression and anxiety like her, but we never discussed the cause of the depression, and what I I believe was the downfall of my mom was her identity and other people. She never lived for herself. It was always about her kids, her marriage, her ministries, serving people. And for that, she was the most amazing, kindest, selfless, purest human in the world. So how could someone who loved so deeply not even love herself enough to live? And so even with all this therapy, I still managed to fall into the same trap my mom did. I have always been a codependent person. I've always been in a relationship ever since I was 14. I was in a relationship. None were healthy. They were all on and off relationships, but even when we were off, I was always talking to somebody else. I didn't know how to be single and I didn't want to be. So after my mom dies, I start to cling on to things. I got real involved in church. We were serving. I had two life groups. But then I started to go out more and drinking more, and I'm finding every excuse to go out, even on the weeknights. In 2016, I meet a guy on the Bumble app. Classy, I know. (laughs) 
we go on a three-day drinking binge and day one I told him about my mom and he played it off like he was so sympathetic what happened to me and so that leads into another unhealthy codependent three and a half year relationship drinking and fighting breaking up making up but to be fair I did try to leave him he was living in Kansas at the time and we had a really big fight. I had blocked him on everything, so he couldn't contact me. Well, he sends me an email <laughs> to get a hold of me. And just Desperado. like that, just like that, I'm suckered back in. And drinking caused 90% of our issues. In 2018, we got into a drunken argument. And that's when he told me, you're crazy like your mom. No wonder your dad isn't in your life. Oh, how I wish I would have done damage on that man for saying that. (laughs) But instead, I just shoved him. But just that shove was enough for the police to be called. And we both got arrested that night. So why do you think you started drinking? Oh, I started drinking because... I've always been socially awkward. I have social anxiety. And so when I would go out and have drinks, I would realize, hey, I'm fun when I drink. Mm -hmm. Like, this is actually fun and I'm having a good time. Yeah. And it probably made you loosen up and forget about obviously everything you're going through. So it was like the drinking April was better off than the sober April in a way. Yeah. I mean, I would say a lot of people use it for that reason. It's liquid courage. It's But I also made tons of friends. I mean, I wouldn't call them friends now, but I met at the time, you thought, so many yeah. people. I, I was obsessed with Cowboys, the country bar, and I would go there alone knowing I would just run into people I know. That's, oh, my gosh. And I made a lot of bad choices when I was drinking. I definitely should not be on this earth right now. I did get behind the wheel while being blackout drunk. It was stupid. It was so stupid. So you started using alcohol as a way to obviously cope, escape, but also use it as a way to bring out a side of you that maybe you always wanted to be there on your own. That's really the main reason people use alcohol right is to (laughs) bring out or suppress certain things and then you were in a toxic relationship with someone who was not only aiding in that but also encouraging it or not supporting you in what you really needed to do which was get help and literally not drink so what transpired over the next couple years because i remember you had some serious low times i remember you you called me a couple of times you know just like in a deep, dark pit. And so was I at the same time. We were both going through toxic relationships at the same time. So, I mean, I even thought to myself, like, what the heck? Like, how did we both, how did us two girls both end up being in this situation? You know, so, you know, what kind of happened after a couple of years of going through that toxic relationship and, and the drinking? Well, the relationship, never great, but... In 2019, he was working out of town, and I don't, I just was so depressed. I just felt alone. I was living in Kansas City with him at the time. I remember there was a big fight, and he basically said he regrets the entire relationship, and I cried for 12 straight hours. My Mm. eyes were, like, swollen. I actually had developed a lisp from 
the depression. I don't, I know I told you and Coven, huh? I have this list, but it's so funny. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, yeah. I remember sending y'all a voice message on text and telling, like, I said something with a lot of S's. Oh. And I was like, I have a so list. it's kind of like your physical anxiety coming out. Yeah. Like mom's I, was coming out, you know. Yeah. I So I went to a doctor and they're like, immediately go to the emergency room. You're having a stroke. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm not having a stroke. Oh, I'm my just, God. I'm just not. So I did see a psychiatrist and he was like, this is, uh, I think it was acute anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. So wow. literally I had a list for a week or two maybe. Um, but that's when he put me on these different antidepressants. Mm. So I'm on these new antidepressants, but I was mixing these with alcohol, of course, and it actually made me suicidal, but I didn't notice because it was only when I was drinking, but when I was drinking, I would black out and I wouldn't remember. So apparently I tried to jump off our third story balcony at least three times. And I know you know this because I called you one of those times. And my boyfriend at the time, we were arguing and something got brought up along the lines of, I'm better off dead. And so I crawled over the balcony and he was there when I did it. And he still left. Like, he just left. I was hanging on the balcony and he left. Mm. Thank God you answered the phone and you got me back inside. Uh, yeah, I do remember you being hysterical when I called. And by the time we were done talking, you were you seemed a lot calmer. So that yeah. made me feel better. But yeah. So we get off the phone and he comes back and we just start going at it again. And... I was out of my mind on this medication and alcohol. I started throwing glass objects at him. Um, I put holes in the walls. Like, I was that crazy apartment neighbor that nobody (laughs) wanted to live next to. I mean, so at this point, he's blocking the door so I can't go back on the balcony. So I'm like... Well, I'll find another way. So I went to our bedroom and got all my antidepressants and then another medication that I take for hand tremors and just swallowed them. And so he panics and calls my sister-in-law, who's a nurse. And I remember doing exactly what mom did when I saw that he was on the phone with Courtney. I was like, why did you call Courtney? Mm -hmm. Just like mom. Mm -hmm. So he sticks his hand down my throat so I can throw up the pills Did you? Yeah. He made sure to take a picture of it, too, to make fun of me the next day. See what I did? See what I had to do for you? Mm. But, yeah, that was a really tough time. But I recognized it when I was sober. And a few days later, I called my doctor, and I demanded that he put me on a medication that was safe to drink with. I did not say... I have a drinking problem. I said, I want to be able to drink and take antidepressants. Yeah. Please give me something. Yeah. He he did. He did suggest maybe stop the drinking. And I said. That's not happening. No. Yeah. Dang. That's how far it had gotten. Why do you think that you took it that far? 
if we rewind it back a little bit, in 2017, our dad had actually gotten engaged to a lady that he just met. <laughs> and it it wasn't the engagement that was really upsetting to me. Like, obviously, he's got to move on eventually, but it was just the way it was done. I didn't think he was mentally there yet, and I just knew it was a huge mistake getting married so quickly to somebody. I think she was a gold digger. (laughs) I think she thought he was rich, but he wasn't. Yeah, and then we all, like, really hardly met her. I only met her, like, once. I never met her. You never met her? No. You never met dad's second wife? No. He he texted me and said, hey, oh, wait, no, I found out through Facebook that he was engaged. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So my God. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sent us a group text saying, "Hey, I want to talk to all of my kids." And I remember me and Coven were like, "Kayla, you call him and you find out because we're not calling yeah, him." I remember that. So you did call him, but I did find out through Facebook. Like so, uh, someone made a comment and said, "Congrats on the engagement." And so I wrote out this long mm-hmm. letter. I think it the was letter. the letter, eighteen pages. <laughs> Front and back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and that's exactly how it was. Because and then you guys were on yeah. a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I wrote my dad a really long thought out letter. I mean, I was mad at the time, but I tried to, you know, yeah, manipulate it, it. Yeah, it wasn't an angry email. You were just expressing your feelings. Yeah, I spilled out all my feelings and I wanted him to know how I felt and tell him like it was a big mistake. And he just responded with, well, if you don't think I love you, then why do I pay for your phone bill and yada, yada, yada. And I said, I will pay for my phone bills in exchange for never talking to you again. Mm. And I never talked to him Mm. after that. Yeah, so that was just a crazy response to be like, so your form of love is paying for shit, (laughs) you know? It's like, so if you're not paying for my bills, you must not love me. Like, oh my gosh, that was the craziest thing. Yeah, and I was dating this guy at the time all this was happening, and, you know, he was encouraging, like, you shouldn't talk to him. Like, he did not like our family. He Mm, just... For some reason, he loved Coven. I don't know why, but couldn't stand anybody else. He and didn't even know me. He didn't know anybody. Like, yeah. he was so mean. And yeah. I loved his family. I think we could all kind of see the slow decline in you. And for me, it was really like you were just suppressing so much. And obviously, you lived in a different state, which helped. But the fact that you weren't talking to dad was just like got... You know, the longer and longer it got drawn out, I was like, this is not going to end good. Like, just, Well, it divided the family. It, divided, it literally yeah. divided the family because yeah. you, me, and Coven, we were all on the same page. Yeah. Y'all were more graceful to dad than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tyler and his wife were just still really close to my dad. Team and to dad. dad. <laughs> and I, yeah, there was two teams yeah. and I could not understand it. So mm-hmm. that's how it was. And yeah. it was so 
intense. Yeah, and the fact that there was now nieces and nephews involved, you know, and it was like, oh, um, April's going to come over. Dad, you have to leave. Or April wants to come to the birthday party this time. Dad, you can't come. Like, he didn't... Remember when he didn't go to Kaysen's birthday party and he dropped off a gift at the front door? I... Like, sometimes I just get teary-eyed thinking of that. I feel so bad that I was that angry and that it 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 kind of tore our family apart but at the same time i will say i do not regret doing it because i know where i was at mentally and i knew that talking with my dad was not healthy for me it sucks i lost two years with dad because i didn't talk to him for two years Mm -hmm. but and obviously i declined heavily but I learned so much after that yeah yeah I could tell I was like I could see it all about to come to a head I was like because you broke up with your boyfriend and you were about to move back to Oklahoma City and I was like this is never gonna work if April lives here because she's obsessed with seeing the kids dad's obsessed with seeing the kids anytime dad got brought up your eyes went freaking red like bullseye like you were like so angry if dad got brought up and I was like this anger is what's really killing you here you know because that anger could just it just plays out into all areas of your life so I think I just dropped a couple of hints a couple of times like obviously me sending you the <laughs> recording of dad I I talked to my dad and I expressed how I felt and I recorded the whole thing and I sent it to my siblings and it really pissed off April so that off. so it was just like the anger and resentment towards dad Combined with the drinking, combined with the toxic relationship, just was, poof, it was just a rabbit hole of destruction. (laughs) Yes. It wasn't until you told me about the book Codependent No More and Body Keeps the Score. Wow. That, yeah, I went to Barnes & Noble and I bought that book and I could not put it down. Mm. I was highlighting. I was sending you highlights of the book and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And that book, for some reason, changed my life. This is when I realized that being in this relationship was not okay. I let this man emotionally and verbally beat me down for the entire relationship and obviously I wasn't easy to deal with because you know I was codependent on him so that's just not a healthy relationship on both sides so my dependency on him definitely led to some bad fights but the day I knew that I was done with the relationship never going back was when he told me that he wasn't attracted to me anymore and that didn't even hurt I actually felt relief Mm -hmm. because these were words that he could not take back. And I use that every time I felt the slightest sense to stay. So yeah, that was March 2020. And I've been single ever since then. And I think it's been so amazing for me. Okay, so just briefly talk about how you finally did mend things with dad. Around the time I was coming back, it was my nephew's birthday. And I knew my dad was gonna go. And I didn't want to ruin the birthday party. So I just felt that I should just go. I should just let it go and not even talk to my dad. I had no intention of seeing or talking to my dad. I was just gonna go. It was in the middle of the pandemic though. So we're actually doing a drive-through birthday. So we're all outside Mm. um, waiting for our little parade to go through the neighborhood and wave at my nephew. So 
I have plenty of space to be away from my dad. We're outside, we're at this park and I'm, you know, talking to all of my brother's friends and I go back to my car to get something and that's when I heard dad's voice behind me. <laughs> oh, dun, dun, dun. What did he say? I think he said something about my car. Like, this is your new car or something. And I just was like, <gasps> yep. Heart drop. Yeah, it was so so awkward but somehow there is no anger nothing and Mm. so yeah I I think that letting that relationship go and you know this this man loved that I did not talk to my dad he enjoyed it Mm -hmm. uh, so much so that when we did break up he said you're just gonna run home and make up with your dad and I remember saying I'm not gonna talk to my dad like I was still trying to win his approval like no I'm I'm not weak I'm not gonna do that so he instilled that and he brainwashed you yeah. So not- what was said between you and dad? Like, was there hugging? <laughs> was there crying? Was it just nice car? And you're like, thanks, dude. <laughs> well, it was the typical wash it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No conversation was had. Yeah. Nothing. It just went kind of flowed back to normal. So what I remember is I think someone who I think maybe texted me or someone was like April and dad made up and I was like oh thank goodness but then I don't know when it was maybe a week later I got a picture of all you guys sitting around the table praying before you sat down to eat at Coven's house I believe. Oh I don't know. Yeah it was a picture of everyone together and it like made me so happy you look so happy like I was like wow so that's what I remember. But it was good like I could tell I could just tell it was so much relief for you and the fact that, I mean, obviously three big things happened. You moved back to Oklahoma City, you broke off your toxic relationship, and you mended a two-year hiatus from your father. So, I mean, I'm sure it was just like a weight lifted off you at the same time. I felt like I was walking on a cloud when I got back. Like, 2020 might have been the worst year for everybody, but it was the (laughs) best, best, best year for me. Oh, good. (laughs) But. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) Then just like few months later, something major happened. So tell us about what happened. Yeah, all those amazing things happened, leaving a toxic relationship, mending relationships with my dad and getting to spend so much time with my niece and nephew, who I just love so much. But unfortunately, the drinking didn't stop. I really thought that the drinking came from the relationship, but I was still blacking out every week. I'd buy a 12-pack of Trulies or White Claws after work, and I remember acknowledging my problem, but then saying, this is just who I am, and go buy another 12-pack. I just, I knew I had a problem, but I was like, I've overcome all this other stuff. Mm, That's that's enough. That's enough overcoming Mm, for me. Yeah. And I wasn't exactly hiding it. There wasn't really a time outside of work that I did not have a hard seltzer in my hand. But alcohol is such a normal thing. Nobody bats an eye at it. It wasn't until I lashed out on my whole family that I finally snapped. I don't remember really anything from the last time I drank except cussing out all of my family because I missed my brother's birthday dinner, which was my fault because I was drunk and I lost my keys at the mall. But the exact moment I knew I was done, I remember I was coming out of my blackout. 
I was on the ground in my brother's kitchen when I came out of it and we had been physically fighting. I remember getting up and I went to go swing at him and that's when I heard his wife say, April, you need to get in the backyard. The kids are in the car and I don't want you to be here when I bring them in. And I just felt so ashamed and something in me snapped. When we went into the backyard, my brother told me that he was gonna call the police on me and I could tell that everyone was scared and they were scared of me and I'm not a scary person. So um, so Coven goes back into the house and I run out the back gate and get a hold of my dad and my dad picks me up. I We were clearly, physically fighting. My knuckles were, had blood on it and I had a black eye. This is the night I said out loud to people I did not want to admit this to. I said, drinking has been a problem for a long time and I am not going to drink anymore. I said it to my dad because I knew that if I said it out loud, people would hold me accountable. I was living with granny at And I remember you called her all day that day. And she was talking to you for long spouts of time. Like, you were drunk and you couldn't get to Tyler's birthday. And, like, I just remember the whole... I was there the whole night. And it's a little bit later, you know, where I live. So I just remember it progressing and getting worse. And you were trying to... You're like, I'm going to go to Coben's house and just wait there until they get back. Plus, you were threatening to do stuff to his stuff at the house. Like, you were threatening to burn shit. (laughs) Very, very expensive cards. You were were threatening, and so Coben's probably scrambling to get home to make sure you're not doing anything. And then there's some arguing and fighting. And then I just remember Coben calling us and saying and yelling. He was like, April's fucking crazy i'm calling the cops on her and like both granny and i are sitting here like worried so much We're like coven please don't call the cops please don't like we just did not want the cops to be called because i was having ptsd of like they're gonna arrest <laughs> someone for domestic violence you know like you can't call the cops so anyway and then no one knew where you went you kind of disappeared you're walking around the neighborhood and then the next thing we knew like data picked you up but it was just kind of this other thing of like oh my gosh like here we go again like something else has now started like now this is going to be a long process of dealing with this you know what i mean it's like yeah but it had to come to a head and it had to come to an end and the best part is like that night has been the last time you drank which is crazy that you didn't stop and couldn't stop and wouldn't stop for years and then that moment that's what made you stop so would you say it was like what would you say it was it was in fact you know courtney saying talking about the kids was that what scared you the most or? Oh, yeah. Um, just just thinking about those kids. I don't know what I would do without those kids. So, um, yeah, there's there's no other motivation to not drink than those kids. That's really good. Super proud of you. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you just cold turkey. Like, who else has ever done that? I mean, not very many people can just say, like, I just stopped overnight, you know. So, super good. So, talk about just how your life has been post alcohol <laughs> because you are now the most boring no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am <laughs> you are now obviously sober for almost two years, which is so amazing. So talk about how that's been. Well, after that day I did immediately go find a support group. I did I thought you were gonna say I go immediately find a drink <laughs> or a bar. <laughs> Something else to be codependent on. <laughs> um. 
I tried AA once and it just wasn't for me, but I did join a recovery life group at my church and I love those people so much and they were just so comforting at that moment and yeah um no more drinking so yeah don't really have a social life that's that's okay meet friends soberly i'm in florida at the moment and i found a really great church that i have connected with a lot of people but i have to say if anyone recognizes that alcohol is a problem in their life maybe you drink too much maybe you drink too often Don't let it get to a really bad moment in your life to change it. And there is this really great advice I actually saw on TikTok. His handle is the Beanoth, so I have to credit him. It's so amazing. He says, if you find yourself one night saying, I'm not going to do that, and then you end up doing that, even though you said you weren't going to, please take that seriously take a look at how it happened, take a look of a pattern that's starting to form, and if a pattern is starting to form, just a little bit of vice. Try to stop altogether, and if you can't stop, please, please take that seriously. It's much easier to get out early than it is to wait and try to get out, because most likely, you're going to have to go all the way down to the bottom before you can get yourself back up, and you might not make it out of the bottom. Not everyone does. Boom. Love it. Mic drop. Amazing. Mic drop. The B Noth. TikTok. The, the B Noth. Like the letter B N O T H. I can link it in the show notes too. But I think that can conclude our two part episode of um, Mental Illness Doesn't Discriminate. That was so fun. Did you yeah. have fun, sister? I, yes, I did. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm proud of you. Um, I know you shared a lot. You opened up a lot. Being very vulnerable and putting stuff out there to the world is definitely not easy but it's I think it's very necessary and yeah I just want to say I'm proud of you and looking forward to all the amazing things going on in your life and thanks for being a guest and we got this high five yeah (laughs) love you love you too the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.